And the new KPI we've been hearing a lot at low six is daily activity, daily logins. In addition to just a sports book now, there's a whole other suite of experiences and value that the brand is offering their customers. Hello, and welcome back to the Gaming News Canada show. It is Thursday, January 10th, and I am your host, Steve McAllister. We have a rather august and robust panel of guests today, including our regular contributors and industry insiders, Chris Abbott and Phil Gray. Uh, Amanda Brewer is hopefully going to try and join us in the uh, second half of the show. And both Parlay Media Group peeps, Mark Silver and Gavin Roth, will be with us along with Jonah Siegel from the Press Row podcast. But first, we open the show this afternoon by welcoming back to the Gaming News Canada show, the Chief Strategy Officer and new board member of Low Six, Josh Turk. Hey, uh, Josh, it's been a while since we spoke with you in this forum, so thanks very much for, for coming back. And I, I just wonder, like, what kind of privileges come from being a board member? I appreciate, Steve, for uh, having me on uh, with your astute panel here, including the infamous Chris Abbott and Mark Silver. Um, the board, uh, becoming a new board member, you see a different perspective, um, you know, almost from, from the outsides. Um, we are kind of backed uh, by VC and you see, we have a, a great group um, on our board, including Je Jeffrey Haas, who's with DraftKings, and we have Andy Clarkson, our chair, um, who leads uh, Tech, Tech Corp. Um, as well, so yeah, it's um, you get a different you get a different um, perspective on your own company, I would say, uh, which is quite interesting, and you get to see where uh, you know how certain decisions are made and the kind of the future growth uh, that your company will will take on in the future. Well, congratulations to you, Josh, on on the new role in addition to your position as chief chief strategy officer at uh, at Low Six. Um, the reason Josh wanted to get you on is you, you and I spoke for almost uh, an hour yesterday afternoon, and and uh, we did dedicate a section of the newsletter today to the partnership between Low Six and the NHL, and w with really focusing on the NHL All Star Vote platform that that Low Six has built. And uh, this week, hockey fans around the world are having the opportunity to vote on those additional players to to play in the NHL All Star game on, on February third in Toronto, and. And Josh, I think you were just kind of half joking yesterday that uh, that you know, like Mark Silver, you're you're a data geek, so you've been spending a fair bit of time this week on the low six dashboards and kind of following the the voting action that's taking place among hockey fans. Yeah, yeah, I wear that crown. I think three years running now as the uh, most views of our uh, data dashboard at, at low six. Uh, we build Tableau dashboards for every activation um that we perform and uh yeah it's pretty cool we've got a our head of data will breeden we call him breezy uh he creates whatever the kpis you're looking to follow uh, we make sure we plug it into a dashboard and we can uh look at the performance year over year we're in a multi-year deal with the nhl so we're able to you know see how we're performing against previous years and then, yeah, like like we mentioned in your in your newsletter today, we can really hone down and see are all the Leafs fans really voting for the Leafs to be all stars or not uh, coming in? I can see from which province in Canada in particular, which teams are preferred or which players are being uh, kind of voted on. So yeah, it's really interesting, and it's kind of uh, <clears throat> it's almost another way to gamify the dashboard. I'm always looking to see where the votes are and uh, who's taking over who to 
to make it into those final 12 uh, roster positions on the all-star team. Hey, Josh, I just mentioned too, obviously the, the Leaf players have been pushing. It seems hard the last 24 hours for Morgan Riley to be, to be receive one of those selections and join uh, Austin Matthews and William Nylander at the All-Star Game on February 3rd. Again, I found it interesting, and we, and we mentioned this in the newsletter, getting fans from places like Mozambique and Madagascar voting. You know, do you have any kind of estimate, Josh, how many countries are voting on the NHL All-Star Game? Yeah, it's 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 funny. I, I I'm not sure I can share all their data unless they publicly uh, shared it first. But it's I I can confidently say it's almost like almost all the countries. It, it's amazing that, and you can imagine in Madagascar, someone's probably paying some high data feeds to to get their uh, their votes in. But yeah, we see from all over. Um, so, you know, NHL is really expanding their fan base, uh, globally, especially I think with those, those events that they throw their global series are the ones that they had this year, um, over in Sweden and, and Finland. So yeah, the game, the, the league and the game is, is growing well, but most definitely, um, the Canadians and American voters are, are dominating, um, majority of the votes. Um, but yeah, the, even based on Canada's population, um, they still seem to be edging the the Americans and the and the total votes or ballots. Um, so yeah, quite quite impressive the uh, Canadian fan bases for NHL still to this day. Uh, we're going to get Chris Abbott, and Mark Silver in here in a second, Josh. Before we do that, I, I just want to ask you. I mean, you you've had I think this is uh, year two or three of the relationship you you have with the NHL. Uh, the league is a is a is a has invested or is a shareholder in, in low six now and has been been for a while maybe just talk a little bit we, we referred to a little bit i think the newsletter this morning but maybe just expand a little bit on on that relationship between the league and, and low six and and how that's evolved yeah it, it kind of uh, started upon a, a request that went into um the nhl regarding uh bet 99 and a new sponsorship they had with the nhl and Bet99 requesting more of a, a gamification activation, uh, a free-to-play game uh, to activate uh, their sponsorship with the NHL. Um, and then, yeah, from, from there, essentially, we ended up uh, winning an RFP for not just that game with Bet99, but for kind of the whole suite or portfolio of games. Um, and after our first one or two games, um, we really came out – of the gates uh, flying and the NHL was very impressed with our, with our team and our dedication and sp especially our passion uh, for the, for the NHL that they come on and become one of our largest um, investors in low six. And it really then it becomes, you know, once a, an entity that you're working with and one, obviously one of our, if not the top partner we, we have at low six becomes an investment, then it's much more than this transactional, um, you know, you're paying for games and we're delivering games. It's much more of a holistic partnership where we're free to work with them kind of 24 seven, help consult on all things that they're doing technology wise. And um, as well, they look to us. Uh, I know that we're talking about gaming, but, you know, just how how they work with uh, future sports betting partnerships, um, how to activate, you know, what is it that the iGaming companies are looking to leverage from a sponsorship? With the with a league such as the NHL, right? How how do we bring value to the iGaming operators and to our sponsors? 
Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a great, great ride. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think like, like we mentioned in the newsletter, I'm a big, big fan of NHL grew up playing hockey. Um, so it's a, it's a thrill working with them, uh, day in and day out. And yeah, we just keep expanding and adding more activations for them. And the fans are really engaging and, and eating that up. So yeah, it's, it's been a thrill and yeah, this year, especially every game that we've kind of, uh, produces seeing um, more users, more activation. The retention has been super strong, especially, uh, you know, in the NHL All-Star uh, voting this year. So, yeah, and we're going to um, essentially exceed all their kind of records that we've they've previously held. I think we're going to crush them all this year. So it's been yeah, a yeah. great partnership. Yeah, I think you mentioned Josh uh, on Tuesday, 20, 20 million votes already. And I think you, the figure you gave was like another 25% bump uh, yesterday while you, you and I were chatting. So, I mean, those are. Those are add, yeah, it's actually been real strong. We've probably since since they put that out. Um, yeah, we're, all, we're, we're getting up there. That's for sure. It's way more than the 25% from when we just discussed yesterday. So they get a lot of the votes at night, I think with the help of the broadcast um, and kind of the in-game uh, kind of marketing of, of the NHL all-star If you guys are all watching that the games on TV. You'll see they're really kind of promoting it uh, quite well. And yeah, as for, as for the Leafs fans, it's funny once that came out and you could see that, yeah, Riley, Tavares, um, we're just on the edge. There's been uh, a little bit of bump uh, from their votes, um, and I'm, and as uh, as a as a former Leaf player, Hyman's right there in the mix too. So, yeah, good chance you might be able to see all all the stars. Yeah, just for uh, just for. Uh... Mark and, and Chris's sake that that uh, midnight tonight's the deadline for getting your votes in. So I, I know as soon as this uh, as soon as this LinkedIn audio shows over, Josh, those two guys are going to hop on and and make make their picks for uh, for, for the All Star game next month. Hey, I want to switch uh, to uh, you know something that we got into a little bit yesterday, but I, I couldn't you know just kind of ran out of space in the newsletter to, to write about was our chat about. Um, just maturing in the market. And, and again, this is something that Amanda and Chris talked about on the podcast last week um, in the lead item of the newsletter this morning, Paul, Paul Burns from the Canadian Gaming Association addressed it with regards to advertising and, and marketing. And you went into this quite at length yesterday, Josh, about just kind of the how the industries or the market in Ontario is, is changing. And this probably applies to jurisdictions in the U.S. as, as well with regulated sports betting where um, you know, we go through a phase in the U.S. where you, you have bon extensive bonus offers. Um, there has been a lot of advertising marketing dollars spent on, on both sides of, of the border. And now now you see um, operators getting getting more innovative. And you you mentioned yesterday um, some of the work that Low Six has done with Sports Interaction. And, and you talked about homestand sports and, and the locker room show on, on NFL game nights over the last two plus months embedded in the Sports Interaction app. And, uh, you know, I thought the analogy you made was great that free to play, like every beer company now seems to have a, a non-alcoholic beer. And as someone who, who does enjoy non-alcoholic beer from time to time, I, I'll uh, certainly agree with that. And and free to play has kind of become that non-alcoholic beer. Can you, can you just expand on that a little bit? And then I want to get Chris and Mark in here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To to speak to your, uh, your first point there, what uh, I think what sports interaction uh, has done recently is really kind of um, 
to what we kind of spoke about, not just be a transactional sports book. The only thing I do when I log in to a operator is place a bet, very transactional, very isolated, and then you leave. You consume everything else outside of the sports book. And the only reason to, to log back in is to either check on your bets or place a bet. And I do think that the iGaming operators uh, are recognizing that to be able to kind of survive in these more of a mature market, you need to be more than just a sports book. And you need to, your brand needs to represent more than just something transactional. And I think what Sports Interaction has done is, is very clever, where they've kind of start to bring in um, kind of more value to the that actual domain or that app of sports interaction it's not just a sports book i can consume uh content such as watch parties that they're performing right so you can listen in on a watch party while you're talking about bets and there's a chat that lives beside the watch party so now it becomes more of a social engagement and social experience um on that very same what was previously known as just a transactional sports book, right? So, and then you bring in news content, you bring in a little bit of social media. And, and of course, there's the the gaming aspect that Low Six um, is focused on. So, and, you know, in addition to just a sports book now, there's a whole other suite of, uh, of experiences and value that the, the brand is offering uh, their customers. Uh, and great to see sports interaction, obviously, as a local Canadian uh, sports book really trying to differentiate themselves um, with those uh, those new features. So, yeah, that, that's really exciting. And honestly, it's a win-win, um, I think, for everyone because, the, like I was mentioning, the new KPI I, we've been hearing a lot at low six is kind of daily activity, daily logins. And I want our customer to interact with our brand Um yeah, each day. And, and obviously, you they're not trying to push placing a bet every day. But what else can I bring? Val what other value can I bring um, to to interact with our brand? And that's where Low Six is producing free to play games. And kind of to what we were just talking about, we've kind of uh, swapped where at the beginning of the Canadian gaming market and the, and the legality of, of sports betting, our games were all used as like main acquisition tools and it was really highly focused on, I say every operator that came to us, they were using our games as acquisition and now it's moved. You can see everyone's moving more within retention. Can we, you know, do more of the single sign on integrations and it just shows the maturity of the market where um, advertising dollars are not there where they were once before, obviously the restrictions that we're going to talk about, in the legal market in Canada is kind of tightening. And so you need to come up with new innovative ways to not just gain a new customer, but how do we, how do we keep them engaged throughout the week? And um, from, and just speaking to the Canadian operators that we work with, that's our, our number one KPI that we hear back from our uh, clients are um, that they're logging in more times during the week to play these free to play games. And that kind of carries on to Steve to what we were talking about. Uh, I like to use it's the non-alcoholic beer. So every beer company has a non-alcoholic version of their product. And that's kind of what the free to play games are. Um, it allows a user to have that, that thrill uh, and excitement of placing a bet, but without the monetary risk. And really, if you talk to any of the operators and I, and I heard the uh, great debate um, that you guys were discussing with Chris and Amanda, 
uh, last week on not just always having to push a a bet promo or place money here, um, like we need your deposit today, right? Brands really and a lot of the operators really want a lot of the a lot of action from the casual the casual betters, um, and so it's just another message um, that these brands can put out where we're not just always pushing a bet offer or odds that we can also push. Hey, here's a free to play game. Here's your non alcoholic version um beer right that you can enjoy throughout the week and as a brand i don't have to be peppering you constantly with you know um some kind of bet promo or something like that so it's just a another narrative that that can be added and um most of the uh fans or our users of these sports books are really enjoying it and we see a, a high volume um and um as well it, it helps with kind of just the education right we see a lot of our um customers uh use free to play almost as a crossover right because if i'm a nhl fan and i want to get into the nfl action that's coming up this weekend which uh it's gonna be real exciting to talk about but right um here's a way i can kind of get involved of, of what you know instead of just having to place a bet and kind of figure out what nfl is all about i can play the free to play game and when i say free to play game it could be over under questions which quarterback will throw for the most yards, right? And you can slowly kind of bridge that gap between someone who doesn't know or unfamiliar with those markets of a particular sport. And you can kind of test it out in a free-to-play environment um, until you get comfortable enough to um, to spend real money uh, um, bets on, on that new sport. So, Hey, Chris, you want to jump in here? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think Josh touched a lot of the points, and I love the – the idea of the the non-alcoholic beer. Uh, there was a, a summer, maybe the worst summer of my life or the best summer of my life, I'm not sure, but um, I wasn't allowed to drink because my doctor was checking out something with my liver. And uh, that summer, I drank non-alcoholic beer and it was hard to find, right? And there was like one or two brands, right? You were getting O'Doul's or what well, Beck's maybe is another, I don't know. But now everybody has it, and uh, I yep. think that's I think that's a really good point, and I love that analogy. And Josh, I'm going to steal it from you. Um, when it comes to uh, the free to play options or or gamification, I think that's the next real big wave, and it's already underway. It's not surprising, but not everybody has integrated it. Um, you know, Josh is right about the transactional aspect, and any app, whether it's betting or otherwise, your goal is to keep people on your app before they go to somebody else's or they put their phone down. So the more reasons you have for somebody to come back, you can only bet on so many games. You can only play the slots for so long. Um, there needs to be other other reasons to come back. And um, yeah, I think what, what Josh and his team are doing are, is, is fantastic and it's, it's well needed. I think the, the future is very, very bright for that company. Yeah, Mark, so right. I know you've got an opinion or two on this one. Yeah, on the general theme of just sustained engagement, exactly what, what Chris said about the gamification piece. I love what you know Josh and the team are doing to, to sustain that, both in the sports arena and within the operator environment. I always come back to what is that complementary content, that organic content that is driving people back to play. So I get it. You know, once people have signed up and you have their email address, you can send them an email and get them to reactivate. But what else are our brands doing to invest in um, that retargeting to drive uh, existing customers back in to the funnel. And then of course, at the top of the funnel to find new participants, uh, both of course for the book side, but more specifically 
for these fun free-to-play games. Hey, Josh. Yeah, the other thing that I found fascinating too was you you, uh, you mentioned that uh, one of the highest player segments of a free-to-play are, are VIPs. And again, I think if you're someone who's a relative newcomer to the gaming industry, you would assume that the VIP players are, are those people that are are making lots of sport wagers or, or they're uh, they're playing a lot of a lot of casino games but so, so yeah I, I found that really fascinating yeah it was, it, it was actually um, when we first started launching and in low six we're, we're we're relatively uh, new so but it actually gave us a great opportunity because we can be we were very innovative and we came out with a with a new product it was highly visual um, so it became a very attractive offer to the market but one of the surprises I, I never actually considered when we started launching, and again, I'll keep to the uh, Canadian market, was the highest segment of free-to-play players uh, daily were the high premium value players, right? The ones with your highest LTVs were the ones engaging with free-to-play, which at, at the beginning took us as a surprise, but it, kind of to what just Mark was just talking about, once you have that high premium player, you you want them to stay on your site. And so it only makes sense that they've already proven their loyalty to you. And now they're looking, what can you do for me? And that's what the, the one of uh, one of the things free to play is offering is, is a new way to engage with that brand. Um, and that's where we're seeing is that the retention rates have become higher with those high premium players because you're giving you're giving something back to that community that has given so much to the operator. Um, and and then also back to like we see like 80, I think it was like 81% of the high premium players actually consider what the what else is the sports book offering from the free to play. Uh, specifically from the free-to-play game option when choosing who am I going to be loyal with, right? Uh, and who, where am I going to be placing most of my my money? And um, William Hill actually put out a user survey survey in in UK and Europe uh, a while ago where they saw, like, I think it was around 40, 43%. Yeah, I'm just looking now. 43% of users have actually switched to Sportsbook based on the free-to-play game offerings. So, um, the VI, uh, yeah, the high premium players who are spending the most, they're also looking to see what else are you can you guys give uh, back to us. And free to play games is just one of those ways that able to retain that loyalty from those high premium players. And and that's was the most surprising stat we heard. And it, and it wasn't just one or two operators. It's almost every operator that we go live. Um, they've recognized the value of just having our high premium players. And the, on the one story we heard from a, a Canadian operator was the majority of our high spending users literally pop on at like 11 a.m. on a Sunday to place an NFL bet. And then they're gone. We don't see them for an entire week. And we're trying to get them to bet our crossover on different sports. And what the free-to-play offer, um, the value to, back to those high premium players was it gave them a reason to come back and engage with the site. And in reality, um, you can see them now placing a bet during the week. And as soon as we've, and as soon as you can tell an operator that the player that is engaging with free to play who wasn't before is now placing a high, uh, high level bet or wager on a sport they never did before, um, that's why low six uh, we have not lost a a client since we've launched uh, with an operator. The the value back is very high. When you're looking at that return, great, uh, great stuff. Uh, Josh Turk is the chief 
strategy officer for low six. Uh, Josh, hope you're going to stick around, but listen, thanks again for your time. A word from our sponsor. Hey there, sports fans. Are you looking for fresh and fun takes on the hottest topics in Canadian sports? Well, we've got just what you need. Introducing Homestand Sports Today, your go-to daily sports newsletter, bringing you the Canadian angle on the hottest NHL, NBA, footy stories, and more right to your inbox. But wait, there's more. Homestand Sports isn't just another text-heavy newsletter. Every story has its own video featuring our talented hosts like me, Albert Vartanian, giving you a newsletter experience like never before. And did I mention it's a free subscription? Subscribe now at homestand.ca. Now back to the show. I want to give us a, a bit of time to, to get into, uh, you know, it's not your traditional uh, story in this this forum, but it's certainly a big story in the in the Canadian sports world today. I expect there will be some kind of a, a gambling industry slant to this story at uh, at some point, if, if not immediately. And that was the news that broke courtesy of uh, TSN's Rick Westhead yesterday that, that Keith Pelley is coming home and is going to be the new uh, president and chief executive of, of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Probably the most plum sports executive job in, in Canada. And, and I would uh, suffice to say one of the most attractive sports executive jobs uh, around the world, given the properties that MLSE has, multi-billion dollar company. And for Keith, and as I wrote in the newsletter this morning, I think Mark's going to hop in here in a second. Mark Silver, and we're hoping to have Jonas Siegel from the Press Road join us as well. Most of us that have worked in the sports industry over the last 30 to 40 years um, paths have crossed with, with Keith and for me it was back in 1994 when I was just getting into the sports communications business working for Tennis Canada and Keith was uh, producing the uh, the Canadian Open Men's Tennis Tournament in Toronto in the summer of 1994 for, for TSN and that was kind of the start of a meteoric rise for, for Keith. Went to Fox for a few years, came back to TSN, eventually became the president there, was president of the Toronto Argonauts and then obviously led the uh, Olympic Broadcast Consortium that Mark's very familiar with for the, for the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. And then also, again, made his mark at, uh, at Rogers Media and, and working with Scott Moore and, and the dear Muhammad to, to land uh, the NHL rights back, I guess, 10, talk, talking 10 years ago now, I, I guess. But Mark Silver, let, let's start with you. And, and just uh, there tend not to be a lot of big sports business stories in, in our country these days, but this, uh, this is certainly one of those. It's a huge story, Steve, and uh, I'm glad that we're able to take a few minutes to talk about it. So the timing is, I mean, it's pretty uncanny. We got a couple big things, some of which are in motion, some which will be very soon. So one thing is the recent sale by uh, Larry Tannenbaum and uh, and his group, uh, a part of their ownership in MLSE. And uh, we do believe there is going to be a larger exit of Larry uh, shortly. So that's one piece. And the other piece is the NHL rights in Canada and that deal just having a couple more seasons left. And so when you think about Obviously, Keith's close connection to Rogers as the former president of Rogers Sports and Media and the person who did that very deal with the NHL. It's an amazing time to be looking at the change in ownership of MLSE, perhaps the return of MLSE to being a broadcaster, which is something that disappeared when the new ownership of MLSE came into place. Um, with Rogers and Bell. And then, of course, what becomes of those NHL rights? Uh, who are the broadcasters? Who are the new entrants? So 
I'm just kind of setting it up there a little bit. One thing I do want to ask you, Mark, is just given your personal dealings with Keith on the consortium back in 2010, I mean, Keith, I mentioned the newsletter, a dynamic leader, obviously in his time, eight years with the European Tour Golf Organization, putting in some innovative things, some fun things, pushing players to wear shorts and practice rounds, which, you know, golf is a pretty tradition, history steep sport and and trying to make it more fun and appeal to a, to a wider audience. And as I mentioned this morning, I think there there will probably be cynics out there who think that coming back to Canada and, and, and getting this job is a bit of a, a, a landing place for Keith to kind of make a pretty good salary for the rest of his career. But I think you and I both know that's really not the way Keith operates. No, not at all. He plays for Keith, he plays to win. You think back to the introduction of Tim Laiwiki and some of the changes that he made to the organization during his reign some of which really paid off, others we know did not. I think because Keith is a Canadian, Keith not only grew up in this Canadian media market, he was one of the people who, who crafted it. That may be the second generation after the initial um, launching of, of TSN and specialty television, but nobody knows this business and nobody knows the people who run this business better than Keith on the brand side, on the partnership side as well, of course, on the distribution side. I think because of that respect that I believe he has for the traditions that many fans hold sacred, especially in hockey in this country, and uh, and how he's going to apply that to a franchise, in particular the Leafs, who um, really need some help to get, get over several humps so that there can be a parade down Young Street, down Bay Street for the blue and white. We know that the ownership structure at MLSC is a, a complex one with, with Larry Tannenbaum and, and Bell and, and, and Rogers. And obviously, it's an interesting leadership dynamic right there with, with Brendan Shanahan and, and Masai Ujiri, you know, pretty much having autonomy over the way the Maple Leafs and Raptors, respectively, are operated. How do you see Keith coming in here? And what are some wins or what are some things he can act on right away? Well, I think that structure is, is a great point. Steve, and if you look at a future where ownership will change of MLSE, and it's already begun, but you know, in a much larger way, one facet or another, and and let's just say that one of Bell or Rogers becomes uh, con- the controller of MLSE in its entirety, I believe that Keith will have ultimate control. I don't think that he's afraid to manage difficult personalities. I mean, the time that I got to work with him on the consortiums, which is really just around the Vancouver Olympics, you know, 08 through the fall of 2010, he was the person who managed Yvonne Fitzon. And not that everyone on this uh, forum today knows who that is, but that was quite a charismatic and tremendous leader in the business and content the television space. And Keith was the guy who was in charge, you know, and being there on the ground in Vancouver and knowing when Sidney Crosby scored that infamous golden goal, well, Keith wasn't at the game. He wasn't in a suite. He was in the control room. And so just an, an indication to people who don't know Keith, he is not your 30,000 foot leader. He gets right into the weeds and the details. And that's the kind of thing that I think with all the success that amazing CEOs like Richard Petty in the past, but when you think about the last CEO that was hired through an executive recruitment process in, in Michael Freesdale, and it was a different business at that time. They'd exited the broadcast media business. They were more into customer data and customer experience, which worked really well with Michael's background in travel. But today is a new age. And if we look south of the border, we'll we'll just pick on one city in particular in New York, and you look at the power of Madison Square Garden and, uh, and their enterprises, and you think Keith is exactly the kind of person who can redefine 
the sports and media landscape in this country. This is a much bigger hire, in my opinion, than just being the CEO of a few venues and a few sports teams now that are worth uh, an unbelievable amount of money and one of the most coveted assets around the world. But still, it is much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, Mark. Just a quick story about Keith. I mean, we were involved when I was at the Global Mail in 2001 and, and convergence that became a big buzzword. Mike Day and I had worked on a project at the time with Neil Campbell from the Global Mail and and people from Simpatico and Bell itself to create a, a product called TSN Max. And the idea was we were going to hire hockey writers for each of the, I think it was uh, six NHL cities at the time. The Jets hadn't come back from Atlanta and uh, we were going to put NHL content behind a paywall. And Keith uh, came into a meeting one day, and the, the idea was that we would put Bob McKenzie behind the paywall. And, and uh, Keith came in, and there was about a 30-second conversation and said that Bob wouldn't be going behind the paywall. And that was the end, end of it. And as Mike and I, you know, we, we, I guess, joke about it today, but that was kind of the beginning of the end of, of, of TSN Max. And to be in all honesty, I think that that, project that business was probably you know ahead of its ahead of its time and uh it was going to be an uphill climb back back then getting people to to pay for content because here we sit in 2023 and it's still a challenge to get uh, to get people to pay for uh to, to pay for for content at, at times yeah, that's one, one thing about Keith, Stephen, you said it well there. If he had his mind made up, I mean, there, there was no changing it. I had my moment uh, similar to that with Keith. Of course, as a, as a young digital executive, I had all these ideas about how we can use remote technology to do this and that. I don't want to give too much of a history lesson, but you go back to the 2008, well, there, there was a recession upon us. There was a global financial crisis. And uh, while the rest of the media business in Canada was looking to save money, the consortium was not. It had to be done like never before, perhaps like never again. So I made the suggestion of perhaps we would uh, have the digital team back in Toronto at on Channel 9 Court and do the production from there. And uh, Keith just looked at me and he said no. And this was in a room full of people. So I don't think I ever made a suggestion in public again uh, in Keith's presence. <laughs> hey, I want to get. I do want to get Amanda Brewer and Chris Abbott back in here. Um, just because, Amanda, I mentioned the newsletter this morning that um, MLSC obviously does have, I think it's about a six-pack of, of sports betting slash gaming sponsors right now. And those sponsorships, I think it's fair to say, for the most part, have been fairly traditional to, to date and um, that there's probably more that can be, be done. Just to that point, Amanda, like, what, do, do you see any, are there any opportunities that really stick out? Again, we've talked about, uh, the idea of, of there being a sports book lounge inside Scotiabank Arena at some point or at, uh, at BMO Field, like what what are the what are the kinds of outside the box things that that could that could happen uh, with these types of partnerships? Well, you know, just I like I have I feel like I'm the only person who's never worked with Keith. I mean, even my <laughs> husband my husband Warren has 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 worked with him on some of the Olympic stuff. So um, I'm I'm. You know, I, I share everyone's excitement that he's come back. He sounds like the right person for the job at this time. But, you know, it's a, it's always a gentle reminder that those inside venue sports books are an OLG. That's the conversation has to start with OLG because of them running the conduct and manage for any of the land-based gaming. Um, so maybe Keith is the right person to go and sit down um, with the senior leadership at OLG and convince them that now is the right time. You know, they're doing well. There's nothing to worry about. We're not cannibalizing anybody's business. And, you know, he could be from all of, 
you know, all I've read and all I've heard about him, the right guy to go start those conversations. So let's see what he can, uh, he can do for 2024. And I see Jonah there with his hand up. Jonah did just message me. So I just kind of read what he calls his high level take. And uh, so essentially, you know, MLS, he had Richard Petty, then they had uh, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Lewicki. Now they have Keith. The, the real question here is what's the mandate? What's the job? Who does he report to? Who reports to him? Um, Jonah's obviously like the rest of us is interested in how he, how he grows the business. And then the bigger issue in Jonah's mind is, is who's going to own the team at the end of 2024 and, and what happens to all the, the various media, the media rights. And again, we know, uh, Rogers is the owner of the Toronto Blue Jays. We know the NHL rights deal is, is coming up. So, um, you know, even though we don't, we don't have a lot of answers. Jonah's ask is absolutely asking the right the right questions. But Mark, any thoughts on that? I completely agree with Jonah. I think at this point, Keith is a huge piece of the puzzle, which allows for all these other questions to be answered over the next, let's call it, twelve to twenty-four months. But at least now there is someone, and we'll tell a little bit more of the story to round it out for the audience. We already know he's trusted implicitly by the current leadership of Rogers Sports and Media. We do know in the past, prior to the Bell acquisition of CTV and, the, and their assets, uh, he had that trust out of, out of CTV. And then Keith famously left CTV uh, and went to Rogers uh, when he was had a, I guess was an executive vice president of maybe strategy position. And a lot of that is connected to the acquisition of CTV by Bell when the decision was made by Bell to put Kevin Krull in place and not Keith. And let's assume that Keith knew all this in advance of this happening. So there are a lot of little pieces here and perhaps who knows you know, how the shareholders of Bell feel about Keith uh, leaving back in the fall of 2010 after what was not arguably the, the crowning achievement of media in this country was, was the Vancouver 2010 Olympic Games. There has not been anything like it since. Uh, we shall see what FIFA 2026 has in store for Canada, but as of yet, Vancouver was it. And Keith was the person in, in charge. I do have the the Globe magazine uh, still somewhere in my basement with a picture of Keith on the cover of it standing in Vancouver talking all about what was yet to happen. Yeah, and as Jonah you know, mentioned in a follow-up message to me is that you know, Keith does have a reputation of of trying trying things and trying a, a lot of things and as you point out mark he has ruffled feathers not not just here at home but joan also mentioned that you know he'd certainly ruffled some feathers and and the job he just left with the european tour but again i i i, I like the fact that they have someone that's willing to try try new things and unless i'm missing something there hasn't been a real great business mind there uh, working on behalf of the entire the entire company and and uh, the one thing I would recommend is that if you want more insight into Keith's resume and, and what he's bringing, the uh, Rick Westhead story on TSN.ca is, is excellent. And, and there is a link to it in the, in the newsletter this morning. So I, I would suggest that you read it. Hey, Mark, I'll ask you this. And Amanda, Amanda and Chris might have some thoughts here, too, to maybe wrap this up. But something that Westhead uh, quoted an industry executive today, and I, I think this is important, too, is that a sports organization owned by corporations is not always a great idea. And although everybody knows who Larry Tannenbaum is, I, 
I would beg to differ that Larry is the face of the organization or the voice of the organization might be a better way to put it. I think it's pretty much a given that Keith's going to be a much different uh, president and chief executive Michael Friesdahl was, and he's going to be a guy who's going to be public. He's going to talk to talk to the media. Mark, is that a, is that a good thing or a bad thing for MLSE? I think it's a great thing for MLSE. You know, I was a fan of several of their properties. Uh, I, I wish that there was more accountability for, for decision-making. And we know that Keith is not shy to, to have that accountability. If you follow his career, and I'm sure when we post this episode of the Gaming News Canada show, we'll be sure to put a few links in there to other podcasts that Parlay Media Group founding partners have done with Keith over the years, just so the audience can have a fuller picture of, of who Keith is. Because... When you look at it, Michael Friesdale was not that spokesperson. And Larry, have we really seen him fill that role in the last number of years? I don't think so. And, and that's fine. I totally respect the ownership of MLSE today. But I do believe that these teams need someone perhaps more familiar that is going to be accountable for them. Now, I know the Raptors do a pretty good job of that with Masai, but as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan... I do not believe that Brendan Shanahan is the right spokesperson for that organization. Last point from Jonah is that, you know, he asked if it's more important that, that you have a leader who's got a public persona than, than someone who can build consensus in the, in the boardroom. And that's a, that's a great, uh, a great point. And I, I just, uh, Mark, you're a little bit more in touch with the inner workings of, of Bell and, and Rogers. And I, I just, I don't know. Keith's got his work cut out, I think, on, on that front. I'm not concerned at all. I think he will have everything completely under control. And perhaps in a future version of the ownership structure of MLSE, maybe there's equity for Keith in there as well. I mean, he's still, uh, I mean, I'm much younger, but he's still a young man. You know? I think uh, what did you, it's his 60th birthday today. I think we all know that now because it's been a number of uh, articles. He's still a young man. And um, if you look at the track record, at least with uh, this is all public information, you know, when he went into Rogers Media, um, he he got a significant ownership position there, just as part of his role as a top executive. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got more skin in the game than we're definitely aware of today. And who knows if we will ever actually see the detail, but it's not too far fetched. Yeah, and obviously the expectation is that Larry uh, Larry Tannenbaum will will be out at some point, and then that uh, that adds another chapter to a very. Very interesting story, and again, I'll just point mentioned Jonah points out that this search has been going on for more than a year, and I'm sure there were a, a lot of people that were that were in the mix for that position. But uh, yeah, I I, I I would tend to agree. I think he's the right guy for the job. I think he has an infectious personality. I think it can be tough at times for people working in a big organization on MLSE, and Keith's been the kind of guy who who does take the time to say hi to everybody i mean he's as to mark as mark and i both mentioned he's a guy that doesn't he makes decisions quickly but i also think he's a, a person that people people will like uh, will like working for and, and and working with so and we'll have to see uh amanda and chris and josh i mean again what impact of any keith has in terms of, of what's going on with uh regulated gambling in 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 the province but you know again that's that's a big boxer to play play in so we'll yeah. see what happens there well let's not forget steve you know you roll the clock back almost three years ago you and mike and i made a zoom call with keith 
uh, walking him through what became Parlay Media Group, seeing what he thought. It was a, it was a wild hour. Uh, and we were from his office to his car and all over the place as he was uh, going to pick up his son, I believe. But I mean, he made himself available. And um, there are definitely a lot of people in this country who have unbelievable experience in the media and sports space. And I guarantee that uh, Keith will be a busy man fending off all these people who want uh, to get a time in his calendar. Let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, again, apologies to to the, to Jonah and, and Phil Gray and and for the technical glitches today. Um, I, I want to get Phil. We'll get Phil on next week. I do want to get Phil to talk about the NFL playoffs and and bring his expertise as a as a trader to to that that conversation. But um, Josh Turk from Low Six, thanks so much for for coming on with us and and being back here on on the Gaming News Canada show. Chris Abbott, thanks as always. Mark Silver, great to have your voice again in, in this for, format. And Amanda, appreciate you uh, uh, coming in for the last half hour. As always, uh, Mark Silver will work his magic with uh, with this LinkedIn audio show, and it will edit out the glitches and <laughs> and some of the stutter steps that we had this afternoon. Uh, to create a very uh, or as coherent as possible with with your host podcast that will go out on on Monday morning. And if you haven't had a chance, I really suggest listening to last week's podcast. It's available at, at GamingNewsCanada.ca with with Amanda and Chris. It was just it was a great hour of them talking about what's ahead in in the gambling industry across Canada in 2024. And uh, so again, if you're someone who follows this industry intently or and or someone that's just learning this industry. I uh, would highly recommend that you uh, that you you do listen to that podcast, um, and of course you can find the podcast on on the various various platforms. And we also encourage you to subscribe to the uh, Gaming News Canada newsletter, which comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, everyone, enjoy the rest of your week. It's actually snowing up here in the shores of Lake Huron today, so if you uh, if you are out there on the roads where there is snow, please uh, please be careful. And we'll look forward to seeing everybody back here on LinkedIn Audio next Thursday afternoon. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.